Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off the Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. So, before we even get on with it, I just want to say something. The Sunday Times picked up on this podcast. We was made podcast of the week. So uh, I just thought I'd mention that. If you didn't know, I'm, I'm still buzzing. And uh, we've got a lovely review of it. And what, what I've just finished recording today's episode, and, and we discuss uh, Franz Ferdinand a little bit. And and uh, and the writer from the Times was, was talking about my episode with Alex from Franz Ferdinand. Uh, and yeah, so it was a, a real nice kind of shout out this week. So I'm feeling a little bit, um, a little bit, proud really and and i guess the fact that it's probably reached these kind of um you know more people when it's got some coverage i guess is down to you lot listening and sharing and and tweeting and retweeting and doing all the stuff you do that is pushing the the, the podcast further afield so um so yeah uh i just wanted to kind of share that with you and say thanks because it's because of you lot that um yeah we've 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 been picked up on and uh, and got a nice little bit of press so so thank you anyway today i sit down with calvin from uh new jersey indie popsters uh the happy fits and it's a lovely chat and uh calvin's got bundles of energy as you're about to find out uh and has had a really interesting kind of road into music um set out uh, in, in, on on his musical ju- uh, journey in a far different on a far different path than than where it's ended up, and it makes for an interesting chat. Uh, he's chosen some amazing records, and uh, and I think you're going to really enjoy this episode. Um, if you've just discovered Off the Beaten Track, um, or you've just come over from reading about us in the Times, then welcome. Um, aside uh, from what you're about to hear, enjoy what you're about to hear. Uh, but when you finish today's wonderful chat with Calvin. In the back catalogue, because you're late to the party, in the back catalogue, there's probably 410 episodes that you've missed. And you can hear me talking to um, The Killers. You can hear me talking to Suede. Um, gosh, Idols, The Sleaford Mods, Foles. Uh, gosh, if they're an indie band from the UK... Uh, chances are I've had them on. Um, big rock and roll bands like the Foo Fighters and um, Nirvana producer Butch Vig, uh, Motley Crue's Tommy Lee. So, yeah, this just I'm not going to keep rattling them off because I do it every, every time that you listen to these podcasts. I rattle off all the guests I've had on and I always say the same ones, but there's over 400 now. So go and have a, 
a little flick through the archives when you get to the end uh, of today's episode. Um, a few thank yous. Uh, thanks to Alice for putting this, uh, facilitating this podcast episode. Um, huge love always to Mr. Scroobius Pip, uh, owner of Distraction Pieces Network, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. I should also say there's a new addition to the Distraction Pieces Network, and it's called Tell Me About It. And it's a podcast hosted by Scroobius Pip and me. For some reason, he asked me to co-host this podcast with him. It's a wonderful uh, series, and throughout that, we talk a lot about music. Obviously, Pip's journey in music is very well documented, and we dig deeper in uh, documenting that story. And um, We talk about all manner of things, um, and it's uh, a really nice, long-form interview about some some really important uh, things that have happened in Pip's life, and, and then them kind of chats that we have then kind of full wider into the you know the wider conversation in and around some of those topics is uh and it's out now so uh they're probably by the time this comes out there'll be th- maybe two or three episodes available so it's wherever you get your podcast so yeah it's called tell me about it anyway that's not why you're here i know exactly why you're here so it gives me great pleasure to say please enjoy off the beating track podcast with calvin from the happy fits Sorry, ladies and gents, I've just got to jump in quickly and tell you that this podcast is proud to be in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. That's right, Hotel Chocolat, those people that make all the delicious chocolatey stuff, right? They have been my partner now for close to two years, and I can't thank them enough. Um, And one way that I can kind of help them is by telling all you lot about what they're up to. You know all about the chocolate stuff because you, you go and get your chocolates from there, but some of you like a little tipple of booze, right? So if you do, you need to check out their velvetized cream range. So what they've done is they've got loads of all your favourite spirits and then they've added their lovely chocolatey, magic-y stuff to it. So you can get like, uh, my favourite's the mint chocolate one. Go check out their mint chocolate velvetized cream because it is delicious. The salted caramel one will blow your socks off as well. There's loads. You need to go and check out uh, the alcohol range that um, Hotel Chocolat do. And I'm proud to tell you that this podcast is in partnership with Hotel Chocolat. Go check them out. But right now, get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording. Calvin, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. This good, is so good, exciting. Good, 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 good. Considering that was one of them like fake hellos where we pretend that we've just started the conversation and we've not been on here for five minutes already. That was a really enthusiastic second go uh, uh, at greeting <laughs> me. So uh, top, top marks, mate. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times we've had to do it. So it's always good to sell it good the second time. <laughs> okay, right. Well, look, before we get on to um, your playlist, I always like to kind of, I guess, start on a bit of a, a sort of, well, hopefully a, a, a not too much of a sort of morose moment, but I, I want you to sort of cast your mind back to to the pandemic and, and those, that weird almost two years of, of change. Uh, and tell me how you found that um Calvin personally and how you found it creatively um so I think I was what 22 when the pandemic started or yeah I think I just turned 22 and um you know we were 
just getting on this massive tour with the band called The Frights, and it was going to be massive. And we played one show, and then March 13th happened. Um, so it was like we got a glimpse of like what it could have been. And then we went right from there, from driving across the country to Arizona in three days, to literally driving back home and moving back in with our parents. Uh, so it was oh, like very rough, instant <laughs> change. And, um, it, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty wild for a long time. Like, uh, I, I had been living uh, kind of at my guitarist house, um, for like a few years before that. And I, I hadn't really lived at home in a long time. So that was hard to adjust to. And I know a lot of people that had to move back in with their parents had very similar experiences. Sure. Um, so that only lasted a few months before I, I kind of just, uh, begged Ross, uh, our guitarist to take me back. <laughs> uh, but you know, that was also a very yeah. cool experience. Cause then I started living in his little, uh, you have like a little loft area, that we practice in and I turned that basically into my home and also still our live streaming slash recording studio. So I was living right next to where I was working and that was an interesting, uh, dynamic, I guess (laughs) in my life. Um, and then, yeah, so the, you know, as, as things started getting normal, we ended up moving to Brooklyn to record our newest album, um, that's coming out in just a few weeks under the shade of green. So we were in Brooklyn from August until basically February of this year. Right. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. So it's been it's been a very wild two years for me. I think over the past, I calculated like seven moves in six years Man. of like lugging all my stuff around. But now I'm finally settled in Easton, PA. Wonderful. Uh, my first first rental home. It's great. Lovely. Right, well, let's start your playlist. I'm going to ask you for track one, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Yes, The Devil Went Down to Georgia by Charlie Daniels. Um, I am a string player. I play cello. And, I mean, to start a song out, such an iconic song with such a killer violin fiddle solo, uh, it's it's unbeatable, unmatchable. Yeah, absolutely. Calvin, um... You're 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 probably in the the, the, the minority of, of 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 artists that I've had on this podcast that are probably under twenty five. Uh, oh, cool! So uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm interested to have this question I'm going to ask you now uh, made different uh, maybe maybe different from some of the answers that I've received from um, older guests. So in regards to intros, when you're writing, do you consider? these trends in and movements in how people consume the music now whether it be through tiktok or trying to make sure that you know that you're on spotify are you aware that you know a lot of more maybe commercial pop music is like right let's start with a chorus grab them straight away no no fat on the bone it's got to all be stripped away it's got to be pure like bang 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 hook 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 like mm-hmm. how much of that filters through into your creative process Oh man, I mean, it, honestly, none. I, I think I grew up listening to just like indie rock that I really liked that had really great melodies. Like, I don't know, like Franz Ferdinand, Arctic Monkeys, Killers, Bombay Bicycle Club, uh, Alabama Shakes, like all that music. I, I would be commuting into the city or, or New York City for lessons or going to school on the bus, and I would always have time to like listen through a song completely and, and absorb it all. 
And I think that's that's what I reflect in the music that I write the most is is just trying to make this song that someone can find companionship in, hopefully, when when they listen to it. Yeah. Um, I I am nothing against people that like make TikTok worthy songs. Yeah, yeah. Like I, it's never happened to me, and if it does, that'd be incredible. Um, I'm I'm all for the hilarious TikTok sounds, though, or weird mashups that you'll find. Um, but I think as a, as a writer, unless like someone waved a huge check in front of me, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep writing the way I have. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's great. It's, it's like, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer to that question. You know, I I do think, and I've said often to to, to people that, you know, to write that absolute perfect pop record is just as difficult as it would be to write some eight-minute shoegaze soundscape epic song. Do you know what I mean? It, it, there's a science yeah. to it, and there's a you know there's a, an absolute art to, to crafting perfect pop music, and uh, and and I guess it's it just seems to be getting sort of shorter and shorter and shorter, and fingers and thumbs yeah. on screens keep seem to be going faster and faster. So yeah, it's good to hear that there's you know young artists that are still kind of taking that. Well, look, the song's the song. It's going to uh, it's mm-hmm. going to find its own you know its own journey, and it doesn't necessarily have to be kind of written for any specific formula. Do you know what I mean? I think that's uh, yeah. When when you go to a music festival, you know, hopefully we don't start playing like jingles. Yeah, hopefully yeah. It, you still hear songs when yeah. you go to festivals. Absolutely. <laughs> I've had I've had um I had Alex from Friends uh, on a, a, about a month ago, and it was really interesting chatting to him about the complexities of Take Me Out. And and mm-hmm. what an intro that is! It's like, but it's not your conventional intro. It, it goes in so many ways before. Yes. Bum bum bum, and then you all. But that's before you even get a. It's like, yeah, yeah. There's so much to it. And and I had Dave, I had Ken, Dave Kennedy from the Killers as well, and it was like, I was like, dude, tell me about writing that intro to Mr. Brightside. You wrote that, dude. <laughs> I was like, man, that you know that is like, it, it's really weird because I was I was talking to somebody the other day about when some, a song becomes a classic and we're so used to kind of going Queen, Bowie, Beatles, Stones, they're classics. Mr. Brightside's a classic, right? Oh, it really is, yeah. Yeah. I literally just saw on TikTok it was a DJ, he's like, I'm going to play one note from a song and see if you know what it is. And it was the beginning <laughs> of Mr. Brightside. And I knew it. <laughs> love it, love it. All right, I'm going to take you back um for the next track and i'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please yes it's all these things that i've done by the killers i remember where i was when i was i was on the bus uh going into school in fourth grade i had my little cd player um it was the first day i ever brought a cd player to school because i was just so bored of looking out the window doing nothing and i was what, listening was you to not the first meant to be tracks. studying <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right in fourth grade. Uh, <laughs> I got my I got my addition and subtraction down, so I was <laughs> you know playing. And uh, yeah, I just remember it was it was at the the part in this song that's like I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I just listened to that. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, what, how did this like band that wrote Mr. Brass and now they're going all gospel? Like, what is going on? Yeah. And I just remember thinking it was so cool. And I listened to that song like over and over for the rest of the year. That whole album, really, and I'm sure I'll talk about it later yeah. too. But that that track specifically, and that that middle eight, that breakdown, mm-hmm. and and it yeah. builds and builds and builds, and then when it comes back in, like it's huge, isn't it? And, yeah. Uh, and in that guitar line, he's just 
It's so good. And I mean, yeah, I don't want to say too much. I'm sure we're going to talk about uh, the debut album uh, a, a, a little later. But sort of getting back to to you, like, where, where was growing up? Where was home? Um, home was in rural New Jersey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, a town called, I guess you could call it Clinton, New Jersey. Uh, my, I guess my postal region was Lebanon, New Jersey. Um, but it's the farms. It's not Jersey Shore. You know, not, nothing like that. It's, yeah. it's very close to Amish country. That's why I'm in Easton, PA right now, because it's literally 20 minutes from my home yeah. in Jersey, but just right across the border. Nice place to grow up. You've got happy memories? Yeah, lots of happy memories. Uh, lots of biking uh, around. I would bike to the nearest town five miles away just to get like a Snickers bar, or a pack of baseball cards or something. Yeah. And yeah, I would spend a lot of time just listening to music while biking or walking somewhere. Um, cool nature trails everywhere. There's like a waterfall like yeah. hidden in the woods two miles from my house. So yeah, it was, it was great. Was home a musical home? Yes. Um, my family did that thing where uh, my, my grandfather was a amateur classical violinist and then it skipped a generation. My father's like tone deaf. And then they made all of their children. So my sister is a brilliant classical pianist, my brother as well, and he's a conductor. And then I grew up playing classical cello and classical piano. Um, so we had like a little uh, chamber trio together and we played music growing up. Um, and it was, it was a little bit scary, like saying I wanted to do rock music because I don't know, there was this sort of like elitist, like kind of vision about music with my grandfather, um, and a little bit in the classical music world too. And like, I I didn't want to be that guy that's just playing music with four chords, but that was the music that I loved. Um, so I think right around 
college is when I, I guess, came out as a, a rock musician. And my my uh, siblings were so supportive, though. And, like, I that's why I got into The Killers was because that's what my sister listened to. Yeah. And I know, not to call my father a hypocrite, but, like, he was always listening to, you know, The Stones, The Beatles. Uh, we yeah. have this station called The Hawk near us that just plays classic rock. So, like... I'd be exposed to that 24-7. Wouldn't know any of the names of the songs, but I'd catch on to the melodies. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's kind of what stuck with me. So was there still, like, you know, an element of, you know, sort of snobbery in that sort of classical community that, you know, oh, you know, you want to go and make guitar music or, you know, or rock and roll or whatever. Is there still an element of kind of snobbery there then? Um, I think a lot of it was, like, self, self-inflicted. self yeah. I think it, it's funny because music theory for me like that was like very eye-opening um i did like at least five years in like pre-college before i like finally understood it and in in those classes we would really only like analyze bach and it was it wasn't until we got to college my theory professor there his name is um uh, christopher schmidt he he was the first one that started analyzing uh, 80s pop music. And that's when I, it, I realized, oh, it's like, it's all the same. And he was like, we were looking at Chicago and, you know, looking at really, really fun music by like the Beatles or the Mamas and Papas. And I just, I realized it's all the same. Yeah. And it, it's so great to be able to finally like draw the, the link to it all. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Well, let's, let's, you've just touched on school there. So it's fitting that we move on to to track three tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school please the dark of the matinee by franz ferdinand that's a tune that is yeah it really is uh just the the words are so descriptive of just like what it's like to be in in school and like (laughs) just being like a a scallywag (laughs) how was school was that something you enjoyed yeah i really did i I was a very good student, didn't do any drugs until I met my girlfriend. And when I say drugs, I mean, like, alcohol. I really didn't have a sip of alcohol until my girlfriend was like, yeah, we won't kill you. It's fun to have a drink. And I was like, and that's when I really chilled out. But, yeah, growing up, I, like... I loved being a nerd. It was it was great for me. I I would spend time on YouTube at home just looking up like science videos like Vlogbrothers or Veritasium and it was awesome. I think I, I still go back sometimes. <laughs> when you was at school is that you know was music something that you knew that you wanted to do and did it seem possible that you could do that as a as as a career or was there other plans at that point? I think as early as like fourth grade is when I started like in my head just like writing songs like for fun like little ditties little melodies that I thought were catchy and in the back of my head I was like this would be so cool to do this for a living but I also have no idea how to make a career out of this or like tell my parents even at the time that was like the big thing (laughs) um so I I just kept doing this thing in my head where I I just like zone out and like find myself writing in my head and it wasn't until I met Ross that was around like our senior year of high school that I actually put something to paper or like forced myself to like sit down and like actually write lyrics and chords and finish a song um and then sing it to someone how was that Uh, so how was that as an experience it was pretty awesome because Ross, our, our first song we wrote together, it's on our EP, Awfully Appealing, it's called Dirty Imbecile. He, we were doing covers together, folk covers. So there was Andrew, Andrew Bird was like a big one. Um, George Ezra, we would do these 
they were really bad. I would play cello, he'd play guitar. <laughs> it was all over the place. And then one day we got bored, and I don't know. It's funny because Ross is the, the very shy one of the group, and I'm the more outgoing one. But Ross was the first one that was like, I on my looper pedal, I wrote this loop that I think is really cool. And it was like eight layered vocal tracks and like a sick like uh, little guitar plucking and he had added percussion. I was like, this already sounds like a song. There just needs to be like words on top. So I recorded it on my phone. And then during like the 30 minute drive home, I listened to it on repeat for like at least 50 times. And then I was just like yelling gibberish at the top of my lungs. And then eventually the chorus came out and uh, that's, that's kind of how it happened. And then I came back to Ross and I remember just being so nervous and so sweaty and just being like, I think, I, I think this is maybe a song, but don't make fun of me if it's really cringy. And then uh, I played it for him and then we played it for his mother and his mother was ecstatic. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, that's kind of how we did our first song. <laughs> you, you, you touched on something there when you said that uh, you, you played it back about 50 times and how, is that something you do with other music as well? If you hear a track and you just think, man that's incredible do you play it play it play it play it play it and do you yeah. as a musician to sort of double double up on that question when you listen to something that blows your mind are you breaking it down in your head how's that have they done that have they put that together <laughs> Yeah, I honestly think I go in, like, phases where, like, I'll I'll be, like, hyper-focused on, like, a certain um, aspect of the production. I think, like, right now I'm, like, super focused on bass lines. So I was listening to Mr. Brightside while playing pickleball at the club uh, just last week, and, like, I was hearing the bass line of Mr. Brightside. I was like whoa, that's nothing like I imagined it. And, like, now I'm I'm really trying to zone in on that. But before, you know, it used to be, like, synth lines or uh, when we started recording, I knew nothing about drums, so I'd always be listening to drums. And that's when I realized drums were usually the best beats are more simple than, <laughs> than yeah. the hard ones. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I find a song I like, uh, I I definitely just, like, try and take every ounce of serotonin out of it and just listen to it on repeat. Wonderful. Tell me the first song you remember buying from a record store. Uh, I remember walking into Best Buy with my sister, and we bought the album Hot Fuss by Kill- The Killers. I mean, and, your first uh, record was meant to be embarrassing, man. You've got a good one there. You've got a cool record <laughs> for your first record. Yeah. I think the first song I remembered, like, all the lyrics to was 1985 by Bowling for Soup. Do you know that yeah, song? Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. So I remember I was, like, a five-year-old running around, like, singing those raunchy lyrics. Uh, but Mr. Brightside was a close second. And, uh, yeah. It's no. funny because we bought it. I was maybe in first grade, and I don't think I even listened to it because it was, you know, I was technically my sister's. I didn't yeah. listen to it fully until fourth grade, really. And then... I mean, just talk me through that, that, that album because it's literally absolutely heaving with incredible pop gems, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's so, it's so incredible. I mean, and then the last track too, uh, Everything Will Be Alright, like, I've had that playing before going to bed for, like, hundreds of nights. <laughs> it's such a good, like, last track. Um, even the... Oh man, I can't believe I'm I'm admitting this. If if Brandon Flowers ever hears this, I'm sorry. I remember going on uh, LimeWire and getting the bonus track from Hot Fuss because I was like, I need more. I think it was it was so good. Uh, Tidal Wave, I think that's what yeah. it's called. But uh, yeah, I, 
I've listened to that album so many times, and it just it just doesn't get boring. And I mean, there's so many pop hits on yeah. it. And I remember reading in an interview how they were like, "Yeah, we really didn't think this album was going to be the one. It was supposed to be the second album that we all thought was going to be the one." Yeah. I mean, I don't being the opposite way, but yeah, it's it's just incredible. It's it's everything that I mean because they kind of. Correct me if I'm wrong, they blew up in the UK first, really, I think. I think it was the UK that really kind of, mm. you know, took to, took to the killers. And and I think I think somebody told me it was the first release in the UK. And I remember hearing that. And then, and then I saw them very early on. And I remember Midnight Show and just thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> I, and, and thinking, that's not even a single... Like, yeah. you know, how can you have these, like, absolute pop gems and not using them as singles? But for me, it felt like they were the hybrid of, as, uh, you know, for a 49-year-old growing up listening to the Smiths and, and the Pet Shop mm-hmm. Boys and New Order. Uh, it was like, oh, this band of, like, f- you know, put all of that together. And Hot Fuss is that absolute hybrid of all of them bands it is glamorous indie rock and roll it's it's absolutely mm-hmm. and you you mentioned the synth lines the synth lines on so many of them songs like smile like you mean it's absolutely i'm yeah. just thinking of other jenny was a friend of mine oh my god that's an intro yeah like and I a bass know, line right? what a bass yes. line <laughs> so good <laughs> oh my god yeah what what a what an absolute banger of an album but i, I yeah. i'm gonna live with you right I don't think they've got near it since. I don't. Yes, I don't think so. I've, um, honestly, my favorite record is probably Sam's Town by them. Oh, really? Um, but I think, yeah, I love Sam's Town. It's it's such a fun record. It's very ex- for me. It's very experimental. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, Sawdust is great. You know, that's it's all over the place that album. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I think the last one that I was like super, super into was Day and Age. Yeah. And then, yeah, definitely it ta- you know, tapered off. But I appreciate how he's going for like the Springsteen thing now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, he. <laughs> I grew up in a small town. I get it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like for me, I just I, I love I love really good like synth pop and. And for me, that first mm. record just really, really captured it. And yeah, yeah. I mean, Doug Moore, I've, I've not disliked anything they've done. I think they're an incredible band. But for me, like Hot Fast has just got that. The same with the Arctic Monkeys, and and the same with Franz Ferdinand. It's just got that 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 energy that a, a debut record has. The where it's like yeah. the, the the energy of, a, of 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 young lads making music that you know they've harnessed it, and it's like it's just got yeah, it just smacks of that 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 passion for your first record of and there's a little element of naivety about it and, and I love all yes, of that I was, yeah I was thinking the same thing it's like yeah. it's always that first album that it's like they're just they just do whatever they want yeah and that's kind of what makes it incredible yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely um also tell me a little bit about you as you know as, as as somebody that was writing songs and and was focusing you know in the, the later years of school of like right well look I'd like to do this as a career um was you a confident young lad? Um, no, honestly not. I was, I was terrified. I mean, I remember, because <laughs> um, I dropped out of school after my, after college, after the first year. And I remember I flew back, like, maybe there were two months left. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. After the, to the semester or the year, and we had this gig at Penn State, and we played it. I went back for dinner that night at my parents' house. I was leaving the next day to school, and I was like, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop it out. I'm going to try and do this for a living. And, like, I remember, like, so distinctly my dad just, like, laughing in my face. <laughs> and I was like, that's exactly what I needed. <laughs> but, you know, that, I, I think that kind of, that doubt fueled me to want to keep going. And now we're at a point where, like, definitely he respects everything that I do. And he sees the vision and everything. It took years to get there. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't say overly confident. And I think... When we started, you know, when we decided to drop out of school, we had no plan. We didn't know what yeah. we were doing. And we learned as, as we went along. And I think a, a big part, now that we're six years into it, is just, like, our, our expectations are so low um, <laughs> that we, we honestly know, like, our only job is really just, like, make really good music, tour our butts off, and, like, promote when we can. And, like, that's literally all we know we're gonna do and we love doing all three of those things and um yeah i i say even if we, we never make it to the you know top 100 yeah like we'll still be happy doing what we're doing wonderful wonderful you're still uh you're still a young lad so you have every um every right to still be clubbing but i'm going to ask you to tell me a song that a soundtrack <laughs> your timing clubs and that that, you know, I should always make this clear because I think people always read that question when I send it in advance that it's, people presume it's in some kind of sort of techno house music <laughs> kind of chrome covered like, mm. nightclub. This can be your local dive bar. This can be, you know, your student like night spot hangout. Yeah. You know, anywhere that in them sort of formative years that you hung out and partied, what was the song? Um, Feel the Way I Do by the Jungle Giants. Okay. Tell me about it. Great band. Great band from Australia. Um, I just, I remember our first few DIY tours. It was three of us and then our, our friend Tyler. He was the one that basically found our music and then, like, uprooted his entire life to, like, try be our first manager. And he's no longer with us. But, you know, he would come on the road with us while we were just trying to figure things out. And this was, like, the song that whenever we wanted to, to get excited, we would turn on Feel the Way I Do by the Jungle Giants. The chorus is just killer. Killer synth line. The beat is incredible. Uh, it's, it's a top-tier song. Tell, tell me a little bit about them, them early tours where... You know, it's... I mean, the excitement must have been through the roof, right? 
Yeah, for sure. Um, I I booked the first like fifty day like U.S. tour that we did, and it was so much work. But like I said, I was like a good student in school, so I was really good at Excel spreadsheets. So I just had all these Excel spreadsheets, and I was sending thousands of emails a day. Literally, for every hundred emails you send, you get one yes. And um, you know, it's just hitting up everyone, every everywhere I could find, like on band camp i'd find local bands that were small enough to want to play with us and um when we first hit the road we just bought a 15 passenger van um and we had no idea what we were doing didn't know what like a backline was or what a di was uh oh really he was really quite naive then at that point like we didn't play live shows around the middle of nowhere new jersey so we were kind of just going for it um i think maybe we played like a dozen college basements around us before that first tour and yeah before that even in the spring of 2017 after right after we dropped out um Tyler booked us, like, our first, I guess, like, seven-show tour on the West Coast because he was like, we'll love you on the West Coast. So we played in, like, L.A., Seattle, all those big cities to, like, three people tops. I remember we played at 1 a.m. in Seattle to Ross's parents. They flew out for that show, (laughs) and it was just his parents. Um, Yeah, and it really wasn't until we played Salt Lake City on a Monday night, and, like, 30 kids came out. It was the biggest show of of any tour, but when you've been playing to one to three people every night, 30 feels incredible, and they knew the words, and that's kind of what, like, made us believe we could actually do this, was Salt Lake City on a Monday night. Um, So, yeah, there's... I look back on those shows and, like, Nothing, nothing can top them. Honestly, like we're playing bigger and bigger shows now, and it's a totally different kind of euphoria. But just those, those first few shows, they're they're going to be in my head forever. Um, to 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 sort of put together a fifty day tour, and I know you joked that you was you know you were studious, so you was good with a an Excel spreadsheet. But to facilitate that, and to get that to happen and make that happen that's a hell of a lot of work uh, mm-hmm. you know and the the hour that you're on stage that's the fun bit the rest of it is yeah. travelling and organising and trying to make money and sell your merch and do whatever it takes to to kind of help you know get some uh, get some gas to get to the next gig and, and all of the things that come with those early tours and so that that you know that you, you have to have a vision for that and so with all of that in mind how driven are you? Oh, I I like to consider myself one of the most driven person that I know. Um, I'm very determined to do this, um, <laughs> which is funny going back to your confidence thing because it's like I don't I don't care if I'm confident or not. I just really want to do this, you know. Um, and I'm at the point now where I'm living comfortably. Uh, not too comfortable, but I'm, I at least have a house that I get to live with my beautiful girlfriend at, um, and I can eat food. And yeah, like what more could I ask for, really? Um, so yeah, I'm very driven. Wonderful. <laughs> Let's take you home. Track six. Favorite song from an artist <laughs> from your home county, please. Um, so I, I chose the entire state of Jersey. Uh, okay. Don't take the money by Bleachers. Okay. Jack Antonoff is incredible. Tell me a little bit about that track. <laughs> um, it is the ultimate, uh, I don't know, retro 
pop banger <laughs> from like the 2010s. I, it's so good when the chorus comes in. It's it's unforgettable. Like you hear it for the first time and you know it. Um, and then also ha- the fact that Bleachers is from Jersey is yeah. you know you know very special. Um, so yeah, I can't I can't recommend that song enough if you want to feel just alive. What what bands from from you know your home county were? What happened is you were starting to put the band together. That you know, you, you looked at these bands and thought, oh, "If they can do this, we can do this." Like, what was what was coming through at that point? Um. Well, we had always heard sto- the stories of My Chemical Romance growing up in the New Brunswick Rutgers University basement scene. Um, they, you know, they, 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 they'd done all right, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did really good. Um, but we used to have uh, before <laughs> before we learned better. I had this like intro track that would play before our set and was like a computer and it'd be like now introducing the best band from Jersey since My Chemical Romance as like a joke but there were some people that really thought it was serious and uh, we had to stop doing it but um, yeah we <laughs> there's there's them people always talk about the Gaslight Anthem um, obviously Bon Jovi yeah. and Bruce Springsteen um, but I don't know we grew I feel like we grew up in a very different side of jersey that doesn't really get talked about a lot it's the sticks of jersey you know there's literal farms and cows like right next to us so um yeah i I always felt like we could offer like a different perspective on on jersey living i think you do that i think you know as much as i I, I love you know the boss and 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 gaslight but you can see the parallels between them bands and you know how heavy the influence of the you know bruce Springsteen was on on gaslight anthem but uh, Mm -hmm. i don't hear that uh, in, in the happy fits, do you know what I mean? It, it feels yeah, that's great. way more kind of <laughs> affected and influenced by some of the aforementioned bands, like you know the the, the big indie pop, you know uh, bands that we've discussed so far, like Killers, Franz, you know infectious yeah, yeah. melodies, and you know de- definitely not singing about you know losing your job <laughs> in a small town and uh, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well look. For the last track, you get to be um, tastemaker, um, and you get to turn someone onto something new. So I'm going to ask you for the last track, please, Calvin, to tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Yes, I think I consider this probably my favorite song of all time, Ceiling of Plankton by Givers, uh, a great band from New Orleans. I remember finding them. I was probably in like eighth grade. I used to go around Last FM and I would go to people's similar artists and I would spend hours just looking for new songs, new melodies. And I found Givers one day and I think they had a song in that show, Glee. Do you remember that show? Of course, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it was probably my least favorite song by them. And like, that was the first song I heard. I was like, oh. I can't, I can't stand this. This is like bubblegum pop. Then I kept listening to their music, and I was like, this is incredible. This is like, it's jam music, it's pop music, it's infectious, it's, it's everything. And that song, especially Ceiling of Plankton, it's, it's so groovy. The bass line is really groovy. There's a killer guitar lick, and it has that kind of chorus that just makes you want to lose your voice singing at the top of your lungs. And I've done it to this song many, many times. It's just a shame because no one knows it, so yeah. I have no one else to sing it with. <laughs> well, hopefully we can enable more people to sing along with you now, mate, because... Um, 
we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany uh, this podcast awesome. so people can go and uh, check out all of the songs that you've chosen Zan. obviously there'll be uh, some of your music on there as well um, and so as 2022 is, is, is gathering uh, pace now and we're getting into the second half of it um, what can people expect from the Happy Fits? We have our new album. It's coming out on August 26th. Uh, it's our first 12-track record. It honestly feels like it's our, it's our first record. Like yeah. It's the first one we had a lot of time to put a lot of details into. Um, the cello, uh, for the first time, is like really coming out as like the lead instrument, which I'm so excited for. It's about time uh, that it's happened. And... Uh, I think you can also expect some crazy content from us online where we have a lot of skits in the making. Uh, we're doing a lot of live streams where you can win prizes and, and, and we're playing games with the fans. Um, and then come fall, we're doing our first tour in, the, in Europe, which is pretty cool because uh, I've never been, our drummer's never been. Ross is actually a dual citizen. He was born in Scotland. Yeah. Um, so we just sold out our show in Glasgow. Oh, amazing. Um, Where are you playing in Glasgow? Um, I think it's called The Attic. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So really small venues, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. And the fact that anyone's coming out overseas is crazy. <laughs> um, so we got uh, one show in London, one show in Manchester, um, and then one show in Berlin. Oh, and, amazing. And- Where are you playing in London? Um, London. Let me make. Sure. I think it's Colors. Oh, is that right? Yes. Yeah, I've done. I've, I've done many shows at Colors. Uh, I've, Great. Uh, I've DJed <laughs> at Colors for, for, for a long time as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a venue I'm, I'm very familiar with. So you will definitely be seeing me in the crowd that night. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes, I'd love to meet you in person. Um, and then go on. Sorry, we carry have on, man. Just a massive. Yeah, we just have a massive. Uh, I guess it's like a forty-ish day tour in the states. And that's going all the way up to Christmas time. So. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And if people want to kind of stay up to speed on every single one of the things that you've just mentioned, where's the best place to keep up with what the Happy Fits are doing? Uh, Instagram is probably the best. Instagram yeah. at the Happy Fits. Um, or, you know, we're on TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, whatever you use. Okay. Well, if it's cool with you when we put this episode out, we'll tag you in it so people, if they're not following you already, they can go and find you and follow you. Yes, totally. And I'm so excited to share it. Oh, excellent. Calvin, it's been a real joy uh, talking records with you, my friend. And I can't wait for uh, for you to come over and uh, and enjoy playing gigs in East London. It's going to be a a great time. Yeah, I think we'd have a beer together. Let's do that. Let's do that, my friend. Love (laughs) it. Calvin, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. There you go. Oh, it's really lovely when you get a young guest on that's still got that super, super lovely sort of energy of of it's all happening now and they're having the best time doing it and it's 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 really lovely to sort of capture a conversation with people at that point in their career um super lovely uh guy was calvin make sure you get yourselves down to colors um in hoxton for their london show i'll be there um come and say hi and uh let's have a beer uh yeah, other than that, go check out the tour dates over uh, on their socials, which this episode will be tagged in. Um, as mentioned as well, go check out the back catalogue. Hundreds and hundreds of episodes that you can go and get lost in. All your favourite indie bands. Uh, I've chatted to loads of them. And comedians and actors and DJs and producers. So just go and get lost in the archives. And uh, and subscribe. Leave us a little 
message or a, uh, a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I'm on all the socials as well, so give us a like, love, share, retweet, and uh, I'll drop us a message and say hi. All right, I'm back next time. Um, have a lovely week. Uh, be nice to each other. I love you lots. Bye. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me Stu Whipping. Hey,